Hey guys, welcome to Property Soup. Uh, I'm going to be hosting this one by myself. My co-host John got stuck at the airport, but today is going to be a really, really important episode. I'm going to be joined by my neighbour, uh, Maury. Um, we, you know, we met as neighbours and he's got a really, really interesting story, um, which is important for everyone. Maury basically acquired a property portfolio of seven properties that enabled him to get into the share market while the share market was low. He's, had a, he's got a 20-year journey and he's going to be sharing a lot of wisdom um, about his journey as an investor, what drove him and what kept him going all those years because it was you know, literally like, well, with property, 14 years and but a total 20-year journey um, and he reached his goal and he's able to live life in his own terms and there's not many people that can say that, that get to the age of 65 and say, you know, I've done everything that I wanted to do and now I've got the money that I can help, I can even help, help other people. Stick around. It's going to be a really good episode uh, with lots of nuggets of wisdom. And yeah, hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome to Property Soup. Thank you. I wanted to get you on the show because we had a random conversation on the street because you're my neighbor. <laughs> and there was, no, there, we actually, I had what well, you didn't know that I was into property. No. And I didn't know that you were into property previously as well. And we just kind of met on the street. We just moved into the neighborhood and we were kind of, I think we'd said hi, waved to each other a few times. Yeah. But I remember one day we kind of just bumped into each other and somehow it came out that, you know, we were talking about property and then you were like, yeah, I've, I've owned like seven, eight. And I was like, oh, wow, like seven, eight properties. And so I wanted to get you on here today because I kind of wanted to hear about your story because there's a lot of people that listen to the show and they're thinking about property investing or they're scared to do it. Um, and you've owned seven investment properties at once. And a lot of people would like to know how that works. Like, how do you get to that point? Um, you know, so for people who are starting out, I think it's good that they hear your story. And then for people who want to get to the next level, maybe they've got two or three properties and they want to get to four or five. We've had a chat about this before, but I wanted to dive into it. And I wanted to share your story because I think it's important. I think a lot of Australians, and we've spoken about this before. Yep. A lot of Australians are retiring broke. That's the reality. And the statistically, there are two out of three Australians ending up on a pension. We've spoken about pension as we live on our street. Yeah. And I want to get into that a little bit later as well. And people need to people need to take care of themselves. The government's not going to take care of them. They need to find ways to take care of themselves, to take care of themselves at retirement. You've done it. And I just, yeah, I wanted to share your story today. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. Yeah. So... There's a couple of things I want to dive into. Yep. But on, on this show, we we don't just talk about the technical um, aspects of investing, where to buy, macroeconomics, microeconomics, rental yield, all those kind of technical things. We also talk high level, which is very important, which is about the mindset of investing. Yep. Because if you think if you if you want to get be successful in anything in life, let's say, I don't know, let's take Arnold Schwarzenegger as an example. <laughs> okay, that's a quite a far out there example. Yeah. But how did a guy who barely speaks English with an accent like that become the governor of California and a, and, and a mega, like one of the biggest movie stars in the world, right? It, was all, it's all, it, it all comes down to belief and it all comes down to mindset and perception and wanting to create something different or planning ahead or, or having some kind of vision for the future. 
So, you know, if you do want to become a successful property investor, it's no different. They're, it's all about mindset. And it starts there. Once you've adopted the right mindset, you've adopted the right identity, then you can start planning, then you can start taking the necessary steps. And then I think everything else kind of comes after that. Of course. But if you have, if you don't have the mindset and you try to do it, I think it beca- it's a lot harder to get where you want to get to. Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether that's investing, health, being a movie star, yeah, anything, right? If you want to be successful in anything, it all starts with mindset and beliefs. How did you become a successful property investor owning seven properties? Where, how did that really begin? Yep. It began, first of all, as you were saying, and I totally agree with that statement, is that the first thing that we have to get rid of is fear mm. because it is fear that stops us from doing anything in mm. life. Yeah. So once you've worked on that, and it, it doesn't take five seconds to get rid of fear. Yeah. In other words, you've got to work on it. I, the fear of coming to a country at 10 years old, my mm. parents from Italy, yeah. brought me to Australia rather than America or Venezuela or Chile. Mm. Um, and I wake up every morning and I say, thanks, mum, thanks, dad, <laughs> for choosing Australia as your country. Yeah. Because Australia is a wonderful country. Yeah. Um, we often hear, you know, how lo- the lucky country. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, the fear of coming to as a 10-year-old child, this is me and my brother. You know, you couldn't speak the language, you're going to primary school. It wasn't easy, but I didn't realise at the time because I was only 10 years old. Mm. It was only later when I started to analyse where I came from, mm. I realised how hard it was for a child, as well as perhaps your parents, um, how hard it was to make that big change. Mm-hmm. because I couldn't speak English. Mm. Naturally, I had to, without me knowing, because I analysed fear later on, I realised that the only way I could do that when I analysed that is to that I took fear and put it aside and I said, well, let's get on with it. Mm. Let's do it, mm. even if we fail. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's such an important point that if you don't move past your fears, you yep. won't get what's on the other side exactly you won't get that dream life you won't get that life where you get to spend more time with your family where you get to leave your nine to five job if fear is in the way it literally stops you from getting everything that you want and it's it's literally just on the other side exactly you've just got to um you've got to push past the fear of failure yep because you may fail if you don't move past that fear you could you might get to the end of life your life and regret it yep I've heard some really sad stories where, you know, people put things off. They were thinking about buying property, thinking about investing. That fear just took over for whatever reason and they just stopped themselves from doing it. And then they woke up at 65 with no money, living on a pension, struggling with money at the the age of 65 when you're supposed to be, you know, that's when you're supposed to really enjoy life and you can enjoy it earlier actually if you absolutely if you do it even yeah um you know if you if you're really successful at property investing and the sad part about that is mm. then when you get to that point you don't blame yourself but you blame everybody else mm. the government your neighbors yep. your relatives you you'll never blame yourself whereas the real truth is that you are the blame yeah um, and that's why i think people uh, starting at an early age, mm. they've got to start crystallising mm. the thought of where do I want to go. 
Yeah. What do I want to do? What do I want to be? So, Maury, tell us uh, about the T-shirt and how you mentioned at 10 years old that really um, was part of your journey as a property investor. Yep. Tell us about that. The T-shirt represents a, a number of things. One is when I was a child. We're in uh, my, as a child, um, uh, before we came from Rome, mm. we came to Melbourne. Mm. Um, I, my brother and I used to go to my grandmother's restaurant seven days a week. Mm. We used to go there. We used to go to school from eight till one. Mm. Uh, at one o'clock, we used to go to a restaurant. We used to eat. My grandmother used to give us the money to go to the movies <laughs> and the money to buy pi- uh, an ice cream on the way to the movies. Yep. And we did that seven days a week. Yeah. So this T-shirt represents that period of my life, you know, whereby I had to start thinking. What do I want to do? Mm. How do I want to do it? It was my uncle that put me on the right road. Mm. That's when he said, you know, to me, he said, you do what you want to do. Mm. So he put pressure on me because it's what I wanted to do, not yeah. what my dad wanted me to do, yeah. you know. So when you were 10 years old, yeah. you, your uncle basically said, you know, put planted that seed in my in head. Your, in your head. Exactly. That do what you want. And so even from the age of 10, you were thinking, I've, I've got to, Figure out what I want in life. It's absolutely. At wow, the age okay. of 10, I had to do that. So planting the seed is a most important part of getting to the end result and that is property investment. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it like, sounds like like even from an early age, you, you wanted knowledge. Yeah. You wanted to learn more. You wanted to understand how yeah. things worked. Yeah. Like what was, what was driving that? Uh, the fact that I came from a poor family I used to go to school, I remember. Uh, I had holes in my shoes. I didn't have a coat. Mm. When it rained, I got wet. Uh, days when they delivered milk at, at your place, uh, mm. the guy used to come to our place to cut my hair mm. and I said, no, no, leave it long. No, no, i got a short back and sides. So it, was, it came out of those days mm. that you wanted a better life than what you had, you know. Yeah. That's what drove it, you know. It must have been something deeper driving you though as well because – it, it comes back to that whole fear thing. There, there could, there's probably thousands of kids in a similar situation to yourself. Yep. Didn't have any money. Um, okay. Didn't feel like you are they, right. They You're could, right. they couldn't, they couldn't get anywhere in life, and yep. you know. But people always choose one of two paths. Look, at that age, it wasn't a, fe- uh, it wasn't a thing of I want to become filthy rich. Mm. I had two things that did it. One is that I had, even as a child, I chose role models because they came to me. I didn't look for them. And one of them was Doris Day. I was 15. She was 40. I fell in love with her. I wanted to marry her because Doris Day had a smile. She could sing wonderfully. She had blonde hair. And I said, oh, if I ever marry someone, she's got to have blonde hair. (laughs) And she's got to have that type of smile. Uh So Doris Day was the love of my life. Another role model was that I, as a kid, I always said I want to drive a red car, a Ferrari. Mm. So that was my role model. And I did achieve that, but it wasn't red, it was yellow. It was a Datsun 240Z. Let me tell you, and I didn't buy it, my wife did. But that was my role model, that I wanted one day I wanted to have a sports car with a blonde chick next to me. And so that drove, as a kid growing up, that was always at the back of my mind. 
you know. So when I started my hairdressing career, I used, again, that role model thing. So I looked at so many hairdressers in Australia and overseas and I looked up and I said, I want to be like him, like him, like him, like her, like her. So I had to work hard to become, even if I didn't achieve that goal and I got 80% there, to me that was enough. But I had to have role models. I would say at that stage it was role models. It wasn't about investing in property or having more money. It was about really role models and helping others. When I saw people smiling, even at that age, I was happy. That, that was my driving force at that age. Yeah. But then, of course, as I got older, of course, changed. Yeah. So you basically uh, got into hairdressing, but then tell us a little bit. You, you, you basically built, uh, uh, you know, not just one salon, but you had several salons. And I think you had you mentioned you had around fifty staff. Yeah, forty. Uh, for, for, yeah, uh, my partner and I um, we had uh, four salons, um, and um, it was it, it, they all. I mean, again, that was a, a goal. Uh, that was a goal that, I, that by that time I, I would actually write a goal down and, and, and set it. And my aim was rather than just own one salon. Um, you could own four, you could own ten, you could own a hundred. Yeah. That was the days when the franchise thing began, you know. And and it was easy because the way you run one, you run the second one and the third one. So you, you're only repeating what if you've got a successful salon, one successful salon, yeah. to run a second successful salon, it's easy. You just repeat what you've been doing. That's what McDonald's do, you know. Yeah. What happened is that if I earned a dollar, I spent a dollar, not two, a dollar. If I earned $10, I spent $10, not 11. So I learned to stay on my but stick to my budget. But we enjoyed our life. I bought clothes, we went out, didn't take any drugs, I didn't drink a lot, I just thought I drank socially, you know, when you go out, you know. But at the age of 45, thereabouts, I started to think, and, and mind you, this point came out of, and I've got to go backwards because I've got to go back to, the, to, to this point because this is really when it changed about the property, is that I, was, uh, I started my apprenticeship and there was, again, this lady, she had blonde hair and every time she came in I thought, <gasps> my hands would shake. She, oh, she's so, she was in her 40s. I was only a kid, you know. And one day she said, Turned around to my boss. She said, I want him to do my hair. Yeah. I thought, what? Is she mad? As soon as she said that, she said, no, come over here. I want you to do it. My, I started to shake. I thought, how can I do She reminded me of Doris Day. You know? <laughs> and I thought, how can I do that? Anyway, I, I ended up doing it. Yeah. And in conversation while I'm, I'm colouring her hair, she said to me, life begins at 40. I thought, Jesus Christ. What is she talking about? I'm having a good time now. I don't have to wait until 40. See, it was only when I got to 40 that, and that stayed in my mind, in my computer. When I got to 40, I realised, wow, this is what she meant. See, because up to the age of 45, like I said, I earned a dollar, I spent a dollar. But at the age of 40, I was at peace with myself. I didn't want to be the best. 
my role models were still there and I was, you know, I was very close to being like them. But if I didn't get there, it didn't matter. I was more at peace with myself. And it was only then that I started to think about when I get to 65, what do I do at 65? What's going to happen? My answer was to that question that I asked myself is that I want to have a similar lifestyle at 65 that I have at 45 when I used to spend a dollar if I earned a dollar. That's very, very forward thinking though. It is very. Because generally people don't think that far in advance and that's the main reason why most Aussies retire poor yep. is they're just in the moment, enjoying life, eating out, going for brunch, watching Netflix and they're just thinking about the next week, the next month, the next year, maybe the next three, three years but very rarely do people plan ahead and think, what about in 10 years? What about in 20 years? So did this just come up for you or it, like you just at 40 you just kind of woke up and you thought, what's going to happen in, when I'm 65? How did that come up? If I can, uh, can I just get something out of my bag? Sure. And I'll show you what, what, what did it, you know? Yep. What did it was this, that when I was a kid, and I used to go out, my dad used to say, now I want you to sit there. You don't speak unless you're spoken to. You sit there. And I did that because my dad came out of the Victorian era and my dad, whatever my dad said, you had to do it. And so I, by doing that, he actually did me a favour because I was a very good listener. I listened to old people talking to each other I listened to people in their 20s talking to each other and I listened intensely. And my, I started to develop this thing that, especially as I got into my 50s, that uh, 40s, sorry, that's when things really changed, that I would learn from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. In other words, if, you may, if I'm listening to you and you tell me that you've made a mistake because you did that, 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 that told me not to do that, 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 that because mm-hmm. I would make the same mistake as you. Mm-hmm. So if I had to get on in life and be successful, I had to minimise my mistakes. So having said that, I also learned by listening. And one time, I think I was about 18 and it was... Sorry, I was 21, 22. I had my own salon at 21. At 22, I had a client who, his name was George and he was in insurance and he said to me, I want to give you this. The strangest secret. I listened to this tape thousands of times and hundreds of people have listened to it. What's the name of it? The Strangest Secret. The Strangest Secret. Secret. Okay which is not a secret at all yeah, because it's the way to become successful. Mm. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking I'm already doing some of the things that I'm hearing, yeah. but it made me do them better mm. because I was about to really hit the road jack. And so what I did on my – since this was so great, I went out and bought a thing called SMI program. At the age of 22, it was cost me $500. Now I'm 72. I'd hate to think what that $500 is worth today because that's how much that program cost. I couldn't afford it, but I had to buy it. It was a program that taught me. It was a program of about 
13, 14 tapes in a manual because you had to write things down. Uh, you, and, and, and it taught me the art of visual, visualisation, how to visualise something that it's not in front of me yet. Mm. And that really changed my life. Yeah. Because I can anticipate a problem coming towards me because I can see the signs. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely amazing if you can do that. Yeah, but it, it, is, it is so important and you, you'll hear success, successful people talk about it all the time. We've mentioned, like I mentioned, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. If you've watched that documentary on him, like he, he visualised everything that he wanted. Exactly, and that's every, what happens yeah. to me. Yeah. I actually visualise what's going to happen in 10 years' time. Yeah. You know why? Because I write it down, I sit short, medium, mm. long-term goals and I achieve every one of them. Yeah. So I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Because if you plant the seed, you water it, and you, the, the plant grows and you make sure nothing kills it. I mean, it, it's, it's a formula that doesn't fail. It works. Yeah. It's part of nature. Yeah. You know, so. What made you just kind of go, I need to look into this. I need to figure out what was that trigger or what was that seed that made you okay. think, where am I going to be in, six, in 10 years, 20 years from now? That's easy. Easiest answer to that question. What happened was that, remember, I've got zero dollars in my pocket. Because mm-hmm. you would spend a dollar. Yeah. You, would, you would earn a dollar. And spend a dollar. And then you would spend yeah, a dollar. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know? So really, although I had a successful business, mm. I, I used to invite my clients when I had a party. I used to, not all of them, but the ones that I, you know, birds of a feather flock together, uh, I used to invite them to my house. They used to invite me to their house, you mm-hmm. know. So it was a lifestyle that I was investing in. And the thing so it was more that you wanted to, you, you kind of knew that you weren't going to work forever and then you wanted to make sure that you could maintain the lifestyle? Is that, that exactly right. At yeah. the age of 45, I said, all right. Um, and, of course, it was in insurance. Yeah. And, of course, I had a, also another client, who, because I'm a great listener, remember? Yeah. And the other client said to me, he used to work for Aetna, you know, uh, super, uh, another super company. Mm-hmm. And he said, Murray, just when I, again, when I was 20, Murray, you put $50 a month into your super. Mm. If sometimes you haven't got it, doesn't matter, put in 10. Sometimes you got more than 50, put in 100. Sometimes you haven't got it, don't put nothing. It was the days that you could just do it that way, you yeah. know. And so that's what I did, you know. So I learned... By doing that, the, the thing that to do something continuously. So that helped me. Yeah. But then coming at 45, I, I said, all right, in another 20 years, I want to retire. Mm-hmm. That's another goal. So I write it down. I want to retire at 65. Yep. Whether I got a dollar in the bank or a million dollars, I'm going to retire at 65. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and 65, that was the 19th of February. It was on a Friday. It was at the end of the week. That was my pay packet on the 19th of February. Oh, wow. So you even had the exact day. Yeah, exactly. All right. I knew that I was going to retire at 65 and it was the 19th of February, my birthday. It was on a Friday. Yeah. And when I told my boss, he didn't believe me. I said, yeah, I am. I am. Don't worry. I am. I'm going to, you know, because it's a goal that I wrote down. Mm. And that, it happens. It has to happen because I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. See, because when you set goals, you, you're not talking to the person next door. You're not talking to your friends. You're not talking to your, you're talking to yourself. Yeah. And you can lie to 
You can lie to anybody, but you can't lie to yourself. Yeah. So if you say something to yourself and, you, and then on top of that you write it down, there's no way you can get away from it. Mm. Otherwise you're not a man mm-hmm. because your, my word is always like even today where, you know, things are done with technology, my, if I shake your hand, that's my contract. Mm. I do it the old-fashioned way. I shake your hands, I look in your eyes, and if I say I'm going to do it, I will do it. So you're, you're 45, you've now decided you've written down the date. 65, I'm going to retire. I'm going to make sure. But you, you, you knew you wanted to maintain your lifestyle. Why, why property though? Why not like share market or something else? Because, why property? Yeah, because 20 years was not long enough for me to be able to save the money that I needed to. I, had to find, I found out that in order to, for me to, re, to, to retire in a better situation than what I was when I was at work, mm. I'd have to put aside so much money. Mm-hmm. So, so you'd worked out, you'd worked it out. Yeah. This is what we help a lot of our clients yep. do, actually. Exactly. Before they even begin investing. Exactly. We actually take a step back. Yep. And we sit down. What's your income today? What do you want your income to be in twenty years? Exactly. And then you reverse engineer it. Exactly. If you haven't got a, a clear number to work towards, how do you know what steps to take? You're just flying around blindly, and. You're gonna hit. You're gonna. You might miss your target. Of course, you miss your target. Then, With, then without what? a doubt, you All miss right. your target. So, so, but how did you? How did property come into the equation, though? So you know, like, okay, I've got a goal. I've got twenty years from now. I've got to create X amount of money. How did property come into the picture? Easy. Uh, again, there's a couple of thing reasons why property w- was the thing, because I. I had 20 years and I started to – and once I – again, remember, I go to seminars. So as soon as the it's on – I've written it down, I, I'm now at the point where I'm starting to go to seminars mm-hmm. on about property investment. Oh, so it was just one of the things you were looking at basically. So you were looking at a few options to, to grow your money or – No, I wanted to do that but I, I didn't know anything about property investment. Okay. So how am I going to – am I going to – invest in property if I don't know anything about it. Yep. So the best thing is for me to get as much knowledge as I did in addressing, mm-hmm. as much knowledge as I – so I used to go to seminars every 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 just about two or three times a week mm. on property investing yep. and learning, 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 learning. And I came across this lady at a seminar, Jan, Jan Summers. Mm-hmm. She was a school teacher and uh, she – got on stage and she said, look, I'm a school teacher. I've got three children. I did this not with my husband. I did it on my own. Mm. And she had 150 properties under her portfolio. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Until one day her husband said, Jane, how many properties do you want to really own? Don't you think you've achieved enough? So she said, she looked at it and she said, yeah, I think I have. So she started to teach people the way she did it. Mm. And they were all over Melbourne, Victoria, little country towns, you know, that people would never, well, where's that little town, you know? Mm. They were all over the place, you know. Mm. Flats, townhouses, houses, all sorts of things, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had to find out a way for me to save enough money to live a better lifestyle than what I had when I was working. Yeah. I knew exactly how much money I needed. I had 20 years, so I had my, you know, you know look, it's all about not just feelings and attitudes. It is also about observable measurable terms. Mm-hmm. So 
I, as I was learning, I said, I started to, again, role models. I looked at banks, McDonald's, uh, and other companies that have been successful. And I asked myself, how does the bank make money? Um, because there's always two of me, Murray that says no and Murray that says yes. So I'm talking to myself. You know. <laughs> the answer to that, the other Murray yeah. said, the other, yeah. the other Murray says to that Murray says, easy. They take money from you, they give it to John, they give you 2% and they give it to John for 6%. Yeah. And that's how they make money. They've got a 4% spread. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how they make money. And I thought, ah, interesting. So I started to put that into my formula. I've just paid my house off, which again, the house that I bought for myself and my wife, that's also an investment. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that the property you buy to live in is an investment. Mm -hmm. That before you buy your property to live in, be very, very careful because that is your first investment mm -hmm. and you don't have any knowledge about it. You think, and the other thing is that you pay taxes. And every time I ask people, and I'll come back to that, finish that argument, I, I ask people, the taxes you pay, are they yours or the government's? They say, it's the government's. The government takes me, I pay it. And I'd say, no, it's not, it's your money. It's not the government's. Mm. Your, your wish is to give it to the government. So I, I thought, now, how can I tap into my tax money? Instead of giving it away, yeah. how can I keep it for myself yep. and use it? Yep. And the other thing is, so now I've got the banks that are making money that way, and I've got the, my tax. And I've got the third one, my house. Mm -hmm. It's an investment. Now, see, when I bought my house in Port Melbourne, and again, because I'm a great listener, my dad said to me one time when I was only 23, 24, when I first bought my house, he said, the closer you are to a city, that's where you buy your property. Mm -hmm. Don't buy it at the outer suburbs or in the country. Buy it smack as close to the city as you can. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I bought it in Port Melbourne for $50,000. Yeah, we just and had that conversation the other day. Would have been nice. Would be nice to go back in time and buy ten of those. <laughs> exactly right, and that's yeah. You couldn't. That you couldn't one. give. You couldn't. The, the agents couldn't sell property in. They exactly. couldn't give them away. People they didn't want to live in Port Melbourne. Absolutely. But that's gentrification. Yeah. yeah. Whereas my other friends, they bought property, their property, further out mm. into the outer suburbs. Mm -hmm. So over twenty years, my property has increased in value a lot, lot, lot more than theirs. Yeah simply because I listened to my dad's advice. Mm. Now, he wasn't a property developer. Yeah. However, anyone who bought property in Melbourne 20 years ago, yeah. and this is the power of compounding and investing yeah. and growing your money, anybody who'd bought property, even in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, if they just held one or two or three properties, they'd be a lot better off than not doing anything at all. Absolutely. Because... Like you're, I think in Port Melbourne, the, cap, the, the average capital growth rate, it's around 12, 13% or something yep. like that. But, you know, on average in the Australian property market, it's around 7% every year, which means property usually doubles every 10 years. Yep. So even if you go to an outer suburb, which is 30, 40 minutes away, we've seen this, you know, in the southeast. Of course. People who bought property 10 years ago, which is 50 minutes out from Melbourne, an hour out from Melbourne now, they bought something for $500,000. It's 
pro- it's in most cases it's worth a million dollars today. They've Absolutely. made they've doubled their money. Of course, without really doing anything. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The only thing is, uh, and that, that's one of the reasons why I sold my property and went into share, the share market. Yeah. Because there's a, a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Again, it's planned. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is that I I go back to listening to my dad. Mm-hmm. We bought it, and I then through going to seminars I learned that. I had a equity. We call it lazy equity. Yeah. It's sitting but, there. There's money sitting in your home. It's yeah. lazy and it's just yeah. sitting there and it's doing nothing. And let it's me just lou- you've got money in your home. It's kind of just lounging around and taking doing nothing. it easy and it's doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. And that money could actually be working for you. As I was going initially going to seminars, yep. you know, I heard that, you know, I went to the maybe my first, second or third, they used the word equity. I thought, what the bloody heck is equity? <laughs> you know? I didn't know about equity. Yeah. I didn't realise that. I didn't have to give my tax money to the government. Yeah. Uh, I could use it. And I didn't realise that... Um, yeah, it becomes tax deductible. Exactly, yeah. you know. So then I, I, worked, I had a, a rough framework of, of how I was going to build wealth in 20 years. And the only way I could do that is to implant another seed. Mm-hmm. And the seed that I planted in my head at that time was... I want to become filthy rich. <laughs> okay. And I repeated it seven times. Yeah. I want to become filthy rich. I want to yeah. become filthy rich. I want yeah. to become filthy rich. To the point that that's what I want to do. Yep. Tell us a little bit about the journey because you, you ended up acquiring seven properties before yeah. you well, kind of sold down and got into the share market. How, how did you go from one property to like seven properties? I had to do a whole lot of homework. I mean, I'm a Melbourne supporter. I used to go to the 40 occasionally. But what I started to do, because <coughs> I had a 20-year project and I had to do my homework, so what I started to do, I said, all right, if this is my plan, what do I know about auctions? Nothing. Zilk. Mm. So I started to go every Saturday <coughs> and every Sunday, go to auctions. See. Making money is not an easy gig. It's a lot of work. So it's a big goal. You know, if one of your goals is I want to make, I want to become filthy rich, that's a big statement because underneath that you've got an A, B, C. How are you going to do it? What plans have you got? Yeah. What, you know? So one of my things was to go to auctions. So I had to go to auctions because I know that I'm going to buy property mm. and I don't want to buy property and then I buy the wrong property or oh, I shouldn't have, you know, oh, man, what a mistake. You or know? you overpay. or You overpaid yeah. and all that. I had to go to auctions. So every Saturday and Sunday, I, I go to four auctions on a Saturday, five auctions on a Sunday. This is every weekend, every weekend. There's a lot of work that to be done, you know. When I started to do that and I started to observe other people that are buying the same property, and I started to identify, it got to the stage where I used to say, he's a buyer, she's a buyer, he's a buyer, she's a buyer, all that. Because you become so good at it. Mm. You know, the art of visualisation yep. comes in handy. Yep. So, and even the guy that's dressed in black that just stands there next to the tree and he's got a phone on his hand and he doesn't put in a bid until the end and we're up to $500 and he pull, he's on the phone, yep, 5000 Bang, sold. Yeah. 5,000. Yeah. In other words, stop piss farting about. Bang, there's your bid, mm. you know. And he buys the property. Mm. And the guy's not even in – it could be in New South Wales, it could be at work, it could be anywhere, you know. He just employs someone to buy the property for him, you know. So you start to learn 
how am I going to do it? Because at an auction, there's got to be a little bit of a bluff. There's got to be, you, you've got to know, you got, you got to know the auctioneer, you've got to know the house, you've got to know the suburb, you've got to know the street because you take any suburb and you'll have a, a good suburb, a, a good street and a bad street. Mm. You've got to, from suburb to suburb, you have sleepover suburbs. In other yeah. words, let me give you an example. If I had South Yarra, the suburb next door is a sleepover suburb. Mm. Now, the suburb next door could be Richmond. The houses in South Yarra are very expensive, but the houses in Richmond aren't. Mm. So I'd be wise to buy next to South Yarra in a good street because I'm going to buy cheaper. Mm. And then in, in due course, in five, ten years' time, everyone yep. realises I can't afford South Yarra, I'm going to buy in Richmond, you know. Yep. It would have been a lot harder back in those days. You'd like have to spend a lot of time doing market research. Like to these days we've got software and tools. We get all the data coming in from PropTrack and CoreLogic. But in those days, because we have to do that as buyers, agents and strategists, when we're helping people buy property, you have to know the market. You have to know what properties are selling for. You have to know how hot is the market, how cold is the market, because then yep. y you know where to go. You know, you've, you can put in a negotiation strategy. These days we've got all the tools and the software. We just <laughs> click click a button, exactly. bang, it shows us, yeah. you know. So but I, those days you had to go actually physically go there. You had to physically. Go to each auction. Mm, this one sold This one sold for this price. The house down the road sold for $10,000 more. And you're slow. You Basically what you were doing in those days was you were get gathering market data yep. to know where you would sit do you know within why, the auction. Do you know why I did it that way? Because it comes about passion and enthusiasm. Mm. Once I decided, yeah, that's the house I want to buy, this is the street that I want to buy it into, I used to go knocking, hello, I'm thinking of buying that house. Who's, who lives in the street? I wanted to know who lived in the street. You, you basically um, built a portfolio of seven properties. Yeah. There must have been a point where you thought, oh, maybe even after the second one, but you must have thought, wow, this is good. I can see, I can see I'm growing my equity. I can see this is working. And then, well, at which point did you kind of go, yeah, I want more. I want to keep doing this. Because uh, you don't go to seven properties. No, no, you don't. Unless you in, you're you making money and yeah, no, you no. can see that it's working. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my investment property, the first one was my house. Yeah. But I lived in it. If I had to do it again, I may not do it. Not, not a might. I won't, wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. I would pay rent and buy an investment property. Yeah, we call that rent vesting. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but I was young, naive. If any, if I made any mistakes, that was the only mistake that mm. I made. Let's just pause for a second there. Yeah. For everyone listening, because rent vesting is a great strategy. A lot of people get into their first home because they feel like this is my dream home. This is exactly. I'm finally an home a homeowner, but you don't actually own that home. No. The bank owns a home. Exactly. We just covered this. Exactly. John's just come in late. We covered exactly. this on the last yeah. the last episode uh, of, of Property Soup. It's it's not it's not really yours. Mm. It's just a feeling that oh, I can hang my picture on the wall, but the bank owns that debt and the debt is not tax deductible. Yeah. It's not tax efficient. So tell the listeners, if you could do it all over again, why would you rent instead of getting into your first home? What would have happened is that I would have been bought the investment property and gone into an apartment to live in. You mean that you would have been, you would have been able to acquire more investments? Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I would have started instead of… You know, so instead of seven investment properties, maybe 10, I mean, you know, my first house <laughs> took me 
20 years to pay off, yeah. 20, 25 years mm. off. Mm. I've lost 25 years. Yeah, that's a long time in the property market. Of course, 25 time. years, a long time. Long time. Do you understand? Yeah. I would have got into it 25 years earlier. Mm. I would have had not seven, I could have had oof, 30. Yeah, you know? a lot. But yeah. anyway, it doesn't matter. That was my second mistake. Well, look, seven's still better than zero. Exactly. So, so yeah. what I'm getting at is that the, the, when I bought my first property, I and I knew all that, I had all that information, I then said to myself, now, Murray, to buy the second one, it's easy. It's like setting up a McDonald's. When you set up your first McDonald's store, it's hard. When yep. you set up your second, it's easy because it's going to be only a, it's going to be a twin of the first one. Yep. You do exactly what you did with the first because you give yourself time to analyze what you did and how well you did. If, if you made any mistakes, what mistakes you've made so you don't make it on the second. Mm -hmm. So because I think about it, I write it down, it's a plan and you do it. So my second property was easy because all I had to do is choose the street, the suburb. I knew it had to be near public transport, near schools, near hospitals, near the markets, mm. near all those things that people wanted at the time. Yeah. It's got to be a desirable property. Absolutely. It's got to have amenities. It's got to be yep. close to work, jobs. Absolutely. Yep. So people want to live there. Yeah. And there's a need for it. It's yep. got to be a demand for yep. it. Yeah. How long did it take you to get from property one to property seven? Probably about... Uh, 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. 14 years. 14, okay. 15 years, somewhere okay. there. What kind of made you stop at seven? And then uh, because the amount of money that I had once I sold them was the money that I had initially worked out that I needed to retire on. So you'd reach your goal? Yeah, I reached actually my goal. six years earlier? Yeah, exactly. So, Maury, you've now reached your goal six years earlier. So you've done it in 14 years. You've acquired one investment property to seven properties. When you'd actually realise you've done it six years earlier even and that you have enough money to take care of yourself and your wife and live the lifestyle you want and never have to worry about money again, never have to work again, yep. what was that like? How did that feel like? Uh, it felt like uh, that my job wasn't done yet. I hadn't come to the end of my goal mm. uh, because uh, although I enjoyed every second of being hands-on, I was looking at 65. Mm. Now, what did I see at 65? What I saw at 65, and that's why I wasn't there yet, is that someone that my life was free. I could do what I want, how I want, any time I wanted to. Mm. So I didn't, the only way I could do that is to sell all my properties and put all the money that I've gained into a, sh a share portfolio, a, a, su a super fund, you know. Mm. Now, in order for me to do that, as I did in property, as I did as a hairdresser, I had to do my research. I wanted to sell my property when it was on a high and buy into the share market when it was at a low. Not necessarily the lowest or the highest, but at a high and a low. Mm. So it was very critical for me to wait until I felt that that period was right. Mm. And lucky enough, I was lucky because luck is not so luck. It's luck is when uh, preparation meets um, preparation meets opportunity. opportunity. Exactly. That's luck. 
Thank you, John. Good old Sir Richard Branson. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the thing is that when when I saw it come, I said, we're heading towards that one. I said, that's it, all, all full steam ahead. We've got to go, you know. So that's what we did, you know. And I wanted to do that because I really didn't want to worry about fixing this, that, that, changing tenants. I just wanted to yep. get to 65, have a pension, a pension that would be adequate enough for my wife and I to live a very comfortable life mm. and not worry about anything. All I wanted to do is worry about my classical guitar, mm. my gardening, my travelling, my helping people. So I still spend about 40, 50% of my time helping people. There's been so many like gold nuggets in today's conversation but that was a 20-year journey it was a 20-year journey that takes a lot of commitment it does to i mean even before that like you said your journey began at 10 at the age of 10 you know kind of being a kid coming to australia that kind of difficulty and not having much that kind of drove you to grow to learn things to earn money to get into property and acquire one to seven properties over 14 years, yep. then get into the share market and make more money in the share market. Yep. But that's a 20-year journey. Of course. And it takes a lot of commitment. Yeah. What kept you going? Like for, for people who are listening there who are thinking, oh, man, you know, because a lot of people, have, especially in today in yep. today's society, because yep. you've got instant access to everything, a lot of people are very impatient. They want things now. I want to be. I want to be financially free tomorrow. Yeah. I want to be financially free next week. Yeah. But it doesn't hap- Doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. You've got to put a lot of time and energy yeah. to learning things. Yes. You've got to, like you said, you've got to spend the time with people to find out who you can trust, who are the, who's going to help you, who's going to advise you in the right way. Yeah. And then you've got to put in the time. Of course. You've got to let time do its thing. And, and with investing, like. If you hadn't acquired those seven properties, that would not allow you to get into the share market and then live the life, like you said, you know, your dream life, like playing guitar, traveling, spending time with friends, shouting your friends all the time, just being able, you know, spending your time gardening, like I always say, you're gardening next door, just helping people, just being able to like just help people. That never would have happened if you hadn't have spent the time to, well, first of all, taking the first step You've got to always take the first step yep. and people are too scared about that. We spoke about that earlier that, it, you know, fear is the number one thing that lets people, you know, that gets in the way of people's dreams and you've got to put fear to the side and you've got to take that first step but you've got to take, you've got to take that journey and it could take 10 years, it could take 15 years but it's, it is a journey and you have to take it to get to the other side. Exactly. You can do it faster. You've got to take more risk. But, you know, it took you 14 years to acquire those one, seven properties. Yep. What, what kept you going? Okay. Can I, can I answer that to your audience? Sure. Because I'm glad you asked me that question. Because, again, as I have in the past, role model. Now, let me tell you that I believe that nothing worthwhile is achieved without hard work. If you think you're going to do it without working hard, it's not going to happen. All you'll do is make a lot of mistakes and you'll walk away from it and then try something else. Walk away, try something else. Walk away, try something else. But if you want to really succeed, you've got to work hard on it. And how I could achieve that 
is to have another role model. And my role model was Geronimo. This is Geronimo. Geronimo is a character that I wanted to learn about. Because in 1886, Geronimo said, I surrender to you. You may do what you wish with me. So really, I wanted to see what it was like to be Geronimo. So I went to a photographer, a professional photographer, and I said, this is my costume. I've got to, I've got to feel what it's like to be like Geronimo. I want to, it's going to take a long time, but I want you to capture that split second and take the shot. And I stood there for hours until I could look up in the sky and wait for that second for me to be Geronimo. And let me tell you that that came, the photographer took tick, 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 two shots, and when I looked at it, I thought, you got it. Then the computer highlighted all the feathers. Now let me tell you that the reason why I did that was because I always need a role model. And my mission then was done because I surrendered. My goal was achieved after 20 years and I surrender to that goal. Now I want to enjoy my life. You know, we've spoken on the street, we're neighbors, sometimes we just bump into each other. And you know, we've had that conversation where, you know, some of the neighbors down the street, they have let fear get in the way and they did nothing. Yep. And they are sitting in a room in front of the TV all day because they've got no money and they're scared to walk out of the door because like you said as soon as they walk out of the door they've got to spend money money which they don't have so what advice have you got for couples families so that they can get to that point in their life where they've got the freedom what advice have you got them about property investing thank why you. should they do it thank you for asking me the answer is this while a lot of people on this earth say, why? You need to say to yourself, why not? That's awesome. Why not? And you repeat it seven times. Why not? I can do it. I can. I'm not stupid. I know that I can. And I'm going to. And I will. The power of positive thinking. So if you want to achieve anything, you've got to be in that framework. Think positive. The minute you see yourself thinking negative, don't. Because people that produce good results feel good, must feel good about themselves. Because if you don't feel good about yourself, how are you going to produce a good result? And in order for you to feel good about yourself, you must think positive. And if you, get any, if you make mistakes, see them as obstacles not as mistakes, because most people, all of us, learn from our mistakes. So when you make a mistake, say, great, I just made a mistake. Let me find <laughs> out what it is that I did wrong yeah. and let me do it right. Yeah. Be enthusiastic about your mistakes. Don't let them drag you down. You fall, get up again. You fall, get up again. You fall, get up again. That is the only way you will succeed. This is the advice that I give them. Be enthusiastic. Be strong, work hard, 
Talk to people. If you don't know how to do it, talk to someone that knows how to do it. Talk to your advisors. Get lots of information. Once you get all that information in front of you, fear it'll be something why, 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 I fight, why from you? Because you know what you want to do. You know how you're going to get it. And you know that you're going to work hard to achieve it. Go for it. Don't let anything stop you. That's my advice. That's amazing advice. That is amazing advice. Um, it's advice that sometimes when I think about it, brings tears to my heart. My eyes, because it's so simple and it would get a lot of people out of poverty. In poverty, all you've got to do is travel the world and see how poor the world is. Mm. And it, being rich or being, it's not being rich, it's been, look, I don't cost the government anything. Mm. I'm the ideal citizen. I don't cost them a cent. I pay everything out of my own pocket. Mm. I could turn around and say, oh, I'll just go on the pension. The government will pay me. I'd be a burden to the government. Mm. The government have got more important things to do with their money than to look after me. So it's a duty to people that are less fortunate for me to me to be off their books. I'm doing the government a favour. Yeah. And that's why it brings tears to my eyes because I think of all the people that could be in the same situation that I am. All they have to do is do the right things. Think positive. Think good of yourself. Don't put yourself down. Mm. Praise yourself all the time. Mm. I tap myself in the back many times. Mori, well done. Continue doing more of that, you know. And that's why it brings tears to my eyes because the strangest secret, and yet it's not so strange, and it's not even a secret. It's there for us to take advantage of, to use it, to help others. I, mean, I was in Athens last week and I saw a man, he had two rolls of rubber mats, three rolls of rubber mats on his back. He had a girl and a boy. The girl was in the pram, sorry, the boy was in the pram and the girl was a little bit higher, maybe eight years old, next to him. And I went to the restaurant I said, is this for real or what? She said, look, I really don't know. I, said, I went up to them, I said, stay there. I went back to the restaurant. I said to my wife, give me your wallet. And I took 10 euros, another 10 euros. I gave 10 euros to the boy, 10 euros to the girl. I said, this is yours. The girl almost had tears in her eyes and said, now we can go to the supermarket to buy food. Oh. Do you understand? And that's what being... Me, having done what I did, I have the opportunity to help people like that. Yeah. Not only in another country, but in my own city, Melbourne, which I do a lot of. So I, I get more satisfaction out of doing that than when I did when I went to work and earned money. And that's why I did it, for me to be happy with my life. You know, a man only the other day, two days ago, said to me, what is, he lost his wife six months ago, he said to me, Mario, can I ask you a question? What is life all about? And, you know, I gave him the answer. He said, Mario, thanks. I was so depressed today. You made me feel much better. I had to explain to him 
what is life all about? That's what life's about, helping others. Now, see, when you get on the plane, the first thing they tell you is when the mask comes down, you put it on yourself first and on your child second. And the same thing in life. In order for me to help others, I've got to help myself. In order for me to help others be happy, I've got to be happy myself. How can I be unhappy and help someone that's make them happy? I can't. I've got to be number one. Yeah. So I tell people, make you number one. Love yourself before anyone else. Be happy in your shoes. Walk with your head up high. Always do good, never do bad. Be a great human being. Be a role model. How many role models have I had in my life? Many. Why did I have them? Because I looked up to them. They were good people. And that's what I need to be. I need to be a role model for other people. The One Minute Manager said, once I've read The One Minute Manager about 150 times, and it said, the last page it says, share it with others. And that's what's important about knowledge. Like Shan Summers, Jan Summers said to me, she shared all of her knowledge with others. And that's what I did today with you. I shared all my knowledge with others so that others can do the same thing. Then they can turn around and go and help people because the world needs good people that will help people. Otherwise, we're done. Yeah. See, if I lived on the pension, how many people could I help? Hardly any. Yeah. I could listen to them, say, yeah, I'm sorry for you. you know, I can't do anything. But I help people. It's such an important decision for people to make early on exactly learn how money works learn how mm. investing works learn yeah. how leverage works yeah. how planting the seed we're talking about planting seeds the uh, whole this whole yeah. time this whole conversation yeah and you know investing sounds scary but really what you're doing is you're planting a seed a seed so that later on you're yeah. helping yourself you're yeah. helping your family so that later on you've gotten to a place where maybe you can actually help other people and absolutely. there are a lot of people that need help oh absolutely yeah. i mean you know your, your family at hand you know yeah. uh, but absolutely that is the secret to investing in property mm. it's not just si simply like that yeah there's a lot more to it Ori, thank you so much for coming oh, on the show pleasure. today. Pleasure. Um, I'm sure a lot of a lot of listeners has gotten have gotten a lot of benefit out of listening to your story. Thank you. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank you.